morning, everyone, and a very warm welcome to Hillhead at the Grosvenor. Special welcome if you're visiting today, and it's lovely to have Jenny back with us. Uh, are you in Glasgow for a few weeks, uh, Jenny? One week. Just for one more week, but it's lovely to see you, and we'll get a chance to chat to you over tea and coffee at the end of the service. Please, everybody, do stay and have some tea and coffee. As usual, everything we need to follow the service is both on our printed order of service and on the screen. Our service this morning is an all-age service and our Minister Katrina will guide us through the differences that that will make to our service this morning. We will also celebrate communion together and everyone who is trying to follow Jesus is invited to take part. But if for any reason you would rather not, just pass the bread and wine on. Today we light the first Advent candle, the candle of hope. Dear God, as we begin our Advent pilgrimage, grant us the courage to hope. Hope for your presence, hope for your peace, hope for your promise. Amen. already said we are into a series of all age services for Advent and they're all going to be slightly different styles so just doing my usual thing and causing consternation and confusion. Last week I think that Emma gave to everybody in Sunday school one of the festive boxes per family to help count down through Advent but if anybody didn't get one because I have far too many left uh, one per family, so from naught to end of Sunday school. If you haven't had one of these red boxes, and you'll know if you did or not, Oops. if you haven't had one of these, then maybe somebody from your family would like to come and get one from me. So has anybody not, any family with children not had one of these? Sometimes the plans just go slightly awry because I don't con- communicate as well as I might. Did you get one last week? No? There we go. Phew! That's great. Is that all gone? Um, did you not get one last week? Uh, did, no. no, if you got one last week, you have to share it. Yeah. <laughs> nice try. Yeah. One per family, not one per child. So now we're going to pray together, and I will lead us in a short prayer, and then we will join together in the Lord's Prayer in our own first languages. So let's pray together. Fun-loving God, for the excitement of getting ready for Christmas, we give you thanks. For trees covered in twinkly lights, shiny tinsel and coloured baubles. For parties and Kayleys, discos and dinners. For excited children, eyes wide in anticipation, for cards to be posted, gifts wrapped, and cakes baked. 
People loving God, for the mystery of Advent, we give you thanks. For candles to mark our journey from darkness to light. For the beautiful mournfulness of Advent carols. For familiar readings and new insights. For the promise of Emmanuel. Creation-loving God, who in Jesus entered the messy reality of our world, who knows what it is to be cold and hungry, injured and in pain, who laughed with people who were happy and wept with those who mourned. At the start of this Advent season, draw us afresh into the wonder of your story, our story, and show us how we may live to anticipate your promised reign of shalom, for which we pray in the words Jesus taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. The line is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever. in we have three ways that you can choose to engage with our theme today. If you want to go and be creative and make things we have some angel crafts through in the room over there. If you're small and you just need a place to run about that's fine. Um, If you would like to do some conversation to talk about some of the themes we're looking at there are some starter questions and the bible readings also through there. And if you want to just stay and listen, then I will be leading a set of three reflections, three stories reflecting on the Bible passages. But just for a little bit of a change, if you decide you want to do a bit of both, when there is singing, which is mostly going to be done by the choir and will be beautiful, then if you want to change from craft to contemplation or conversation 
whatever, then just move around quietly at that point. So um, if you, anybody wants to go through and do crafty stuff, then I suggest you go now or conversation stuff, and then we will hear our first reading in a minute. Um, we have a lot of stand-ins today, uh, because it's that time of year when people are away or coughs and colds get the better of us. So it won't be Drew, but it will be Drew stand-in who will bring us our first Bible reading in a minute. I'm Drew Standin for this morning. I hope I'll do as well as he might. Right, the first reading is from Luke chapter 1, verses 5 to 25. And I think this is a story that's quite familiar to most of us, but it's good to hear it again. In the days of King Herod of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly order of Abijah. His wife was a descendant of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And both of them were righteous before God living blamelessly according to the commandments and regulations of the Lord. But they had no children, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were getting on in years. Once when he was serving as priest before God and his section was on duty, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and to offer incense. Now at the time of the incense offering, the whole assembly of the people was praying outside. Then there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing at the right-hand side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was terrified, and fear overwhelmed him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will name him John. You will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He must never drink wine or strong drink. Even before his birth, he will be filled with the Holy Spirit. He will turn many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. With the spirit and power of Elijah, he will go before him to turn the hearts of parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah said to the angel, How will I know that this is so? For I am an old man, and my wife is getting on in years. The angel replied, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. But now, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time, you will become mute, unable to speak, until the day these things occur. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondered at his delay in the sanctuary. When he did come out, he could not speak to them, and they realized that he had seen a vision in the sanctuary. He kept motioning to them and remained unable to speak. When his time of service was ended, he went to his home. After those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she remained in seclusion. She said, This is what the Lord has done for me when he looked favorably upon me and took away the disgrace I have endured among my people. Zachariah's story. As far back as I can remember, I knew I was going to be a priest. There was no choice in the matter. It was simply the way things were. If you were born into my family, and you were healthy, and you were a boy, when you grew up, you would be a priest. It was a real disgrace if a boy born into a priestly family had a disability. And to my shame, I recall how we taunted those who were less than perfect, the boys who walked with a limp, those who stuttered or stammered. 
we thought they were less than us, somehow inferior, because we were the boys who were going to be the priests. And then when I grew up, so at around the age of 12, when I had my bar mitzvah, when I became a son of the covenant, I joined one of the 24 groups, 24 divisions of priests who serve in the temple. And for two weeks a year, and at every major festival of our faith, I would serve in the temple with others. And now, more than ever, I had to think about the hygiene laws to keep myself clean. And so I couldn't even kiss my father goodbye when he died because to kiss his dead body would have been to contaminate myself. It's not always easy being a priest. It can be lonely and isolating, but it is also a privilege. But then over the years, the whispers began. You see, my wife Elizabeth and I didn't have any children. And month by month, as the redness of her flow showed that we had once again failed to conceive, we would cling together and cry. So much did we want a child. But the whispers, was there some secret sin we had not confessed? Was I somehow not a good priest? Why was God punishing Zachariah and Elizabeth that no child was born? In those times, we clung on to the stories of our forebears. There was Abraham and Sarah who were incredibly old when they had a child. And Hannah and Elkanah, the parents of the prophet Samuel, they too were old and childless. We hoped, hoped against hope, and knew that our hope might not come to be. But it was all we had, so we hoped. Once in a lifetime, twice if it works out that way, a priest will have his name drawn by lot to enter the Holy of Holies to offer incense at the altar of God. To my amazement, one day my name was drawn. Maybe God had not forgotten me after all. And so I entered, robed up, feeling all kinds of things, fear and excitement, a sense of vindication, if I'm honest, because clearly I wasn't such a bad priest after all, and a bit scared. And I don't know whether it was the fumes of the incense or the, the occasion and how it overwhelmed me, but suddenly I felt I was not alone. There was someone else there who said they were Gabriel and who said that I would have a son. <laughs> well, I didn't know what to think. I mean, me. I was so old. It had never happened. And I was in a, a bit of a tizzy, really. But the angel said, it will happen. But you're not going to be able to speak until the child is born. Well, to be frank, I didn't think I could have spoken anyway. I was, my breath was taken away. My voice was taken I was just totally speechless. Dumbfounded, as they say. And so I came out and discovered I'd been in there longer than I thought, and people were getting worried about me. And they realised that something had changed and that I wasn't able to speak. So they brought me a tablet and a pencil, and I wrote on it. My life changed forever at that moment. The plans I'd had for our old age completely overturned. You know, we hadn't got children. I was getting on. Retirement was very appealing. 
and now I was going to be a dad. Amazing. God had heard my prayers. God had sent us a message. Our hopes would be fulfilled. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come and redeemed his people. Chapter 1, verses 26 to 45. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged, engaged to a man whose name was Joseph, of the son of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and he came to her and said, Greetings, favoured one, the Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favour with God, and now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called the Son of God. And now, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month for her, who was said to be barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, Here I am, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. 
In those days Mary set out and went with haste to a Judean town in the hill country, where she entered the house of Zachariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leapt in her womb. And Mary was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me, that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leapt for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfilment of what she was spoken to her by the Lord. Mary's story. When I was a little girl, I used to love playing at weddings with my friends. We would imagine waiting for the bridegroom to come. He would be tall and dark and handsome, loving and kind smiling face. It was going to be so wonderful. It was innocent fun. We had no idea what the real world was about. And then, soon after I reached the age of 12, I became a woman. And I knew that marriage was a real possibility. And so I had to learn all those skills that a wife would need. To sew, to spin, to cook, to clean. And the day came when my betrothal was set. I didn't know what he was like. He seemed to have kind eyes. He was a good man. He had a job as a carpenter. But more than that, I didn't really know. So my preparations continued, and I I really looked forward to the day of my wedding. One day, I just sat daydreaming, looking into the middle distance, daring to imagine what life would be like married to Joseph. And then something interrupted my reverie. Or maybe it was all part of the daydream. I really don't know. But there before me stood someone who said they were the angel Gabriel. And that they had news for me, that I had found favour with God. I didn't know what to make of it. I mean, I'm just a girl just going to get married to Joseph. But hey, an angel, why not? (laughs) But then he said something that cut me to the core. He said, you're going to bear a son, God's son. What? I mean, you know, Joseph and I, well, we haven't. I mean... We could, because we're betrothed, but we haven't. And how can this happen, I said. I just didn't understand it. The angel said that God's spirit would come upon me and I would conceive by the Holy Spirit. I've not got a clue what that meant. But I wondered what on earth it could mean. I mean, to be pregnant out of wedlock, wasn't a good thing. I mean, occasionally a couple did bring their wedding forward. But, you know, we hadn't. So Joseph would know it wasn't his. And how on earth was he going to believe this story about an angel, for goodness sake? A tear rolled down my cheek. 
my plans were in tatters. That wedding I had dreamed of wouldn't happen now. I would probably be disgraced. But there was something, something in the way the angel spoke to me that was compelling. Something that suggested that despite all of this, there was still hope. So, blinking back the tears and summoning a courage I didn't know I possessed, I looked Gabriel in the eye and said, May it be to me as you have said. had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her to his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had borne a son. A decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration and was taken while Quinquirius was governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to the city of David called Bethlehem because he was descended from the house and family of David. He went to be registered with Mary, to whom he was engaged and who was expecting a child. Joseph's story. I scooped up a handful of shavings from the floor 
and I tried to concentrate on shaping a piece of wood that lay before me. I was still trying to make sense of it, to work out what on earth was going on, and to decide what to do next. I was heartbroken. I hadn't slept for days, thinking through what was going on since she broke the news to me. Probably I should have been angry. I should have called her a whore. I should have sent her away. I couldn't. I loved her too much. My Mary, the girl of my dreams, the one who would finally terminate this endless bachelorhood that I had endured. She would be my wife. My wife. Oh, how I thrilled at those words. Every spare moment I've been planning our new home, designing the furniture, choosing the wood, planing it and shaping it. And now, salty tears rolled down my cheeks into my beard and sobs racked my tired body. I couldn't shame Mary. However ridiculous this claim of Gabriel telling her that she was going to have God's child, however deluded she was, whatever lies she was telling me, I clung on to the memories of the girl I loved so much. I could sort it out. I could make it, well, kind of all right. I could live with my shattered dreams. I could actually go on being a bachelor. After all, it was all I'd ever known. And I'd done all right up to now, hadn't I? People needed carpenters. After all, I wouldn't be short of work. So I just needed to man up and get on with it. I was exhausted with my grief. And I sat down, put down my tools and closed my eyes just for a moment. And then I fell into a deep, deep sleep. And I had the strangest of dreams. All those thoughts that had been whirling around my mind seemed to coalesce into a coherent whole. And in that dream, I was visited by an angel who told me to marry Mary. Marry her anyway. Why didn't I think of that? Why did I think I could just send her away and, and keep it quiet and all would be all right? Marry her anyway. After all, only she and I knew any different about what was happening. Only we knew at this stage that she was pregnant. And, well, you know, some betrothed couples did bring their weddings forward. It did happen. So I could marry Mary, and I would marry Mary. There was still hope. I'll never forget her face when I told her. She looked so frightened, so frail, with tears in her eyes, expecting me to give her the worst news. And then, as I told her that I was going to marry her anyway, I saw her shoulders relax, her face lose its tension, and a smile spread across her lips. So there were new plans to make. There was a cradle to carve, a home to set up in Nazareth. And after she'd been to see her cousin Elizabeth and Zachariah, we could have a wedding. Well, more changes to plans. We had to go to Bethlehem, to my ancestral home, to register in the Roman census. I was really worried about Mary because her time was near. But we didn't have a choice. She held my hand. She turned to me and she smiled as we set off on that long journey the best laid plans and all that. 
I don't know what lies ahead of us. It's not what either of us expected. But seeing old Zachariah holding his baby son and Elizabeth surrounded by fussing neighbours, it's amazing. As I lay my hand gently on Mary's swollen belly and as we gaze into one another's eyes, I dare to hope that things will work out. That those angels that told us not to be frightened because God is with us can indeed be trusted. stories, three stories of people whose plans were turned upside down, three people who had encounters with angels. As we near the end of 2017 and look back over that year, I wonder what our experiences have been and how they have compared with anything we might have hoped for or planned a year ago. Disappointments, joys, changes. And as we look forward to Christmas and make our plans, whether it's traditions to uphold or gifts to buy, foods to cook, cards to write, what do we hope for? How will we feel if our hopes are disappointed if the plans go awry. How will we get through that? What way will hope sustain us? So we're going to take a few minutes of silence now just to reflect on our plans, our year, our joys, our sorrows, our disappointments, our moments of of amazement, whatever they are. And just silently bring those to God.
we come together in our prayers for others and in our prayers for each other. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we give thanks for this new advent in our church history. When we once again celebrate the joy of your incarnation, your birth in human form, coming among us to spread new hope, the new hope through your love and forgiveness. We pray that we too may share your love and forgiveness with each other in this time of expectation and joy. (coughs) Heavenly Father, we give thanks for this time of longing, for this time of expectation, for this time of waiting, and for this time of Emmanuel, God with us, and with us for all times, in our longing and in our joy, with us in our waiting and in our celebration, with us in our expectation and our preparation. We pray that we will share this excitement of the waiting and the joy of its fulfilment with one another. Heavenly Father, we give thanks for your word made flesh, your word and your Son coming among us and living beside us and among us. We pray that our eyes will be open to see your grace, that our ears will be open to hear your message for us, and that our hearts will live out your word through our lives. Heavenly Father, as we prepare, as we long for your arrival among us, as we celebrate the joy of your birth, we remember that this joy was the start of your journey on earth, a journey that saw adoration and praise, but also persecution, contempt and rejection leading to the sacrifice of your Son so that we may have everlasting life. We pray that we will receive your blessing this Advent, that we will share your grace, and that we will know your love and life everlasting. This we pray through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.
On the night of his arrest, Jesus spoke to his followers in the course of a meal. And he said to them, whenever you do this, remember me. The Apostle Paul, recognising that we live in the in-between time, the now and not yet of God's kingdom, the time in which we wait for the final fulfilment of God's promises at the end of the age, pen these words. Whenever you eat the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so, as we begin our Advent journey once again this year, we do so with a significant act. A meal in miniature. A symbolic celebration of the truth that we hold dear. And in the mishmash of our own lives, a declaration of hope. The Apostle Paul, in his letter, said this. On the night when he was betrayed, Jesus took bread, blessed it and broke it, saying, This is my body, which is for you. Whenever you eat bread, remember me. And after the supper, he took a cup of wine, blessed it and said, This is the seal of the new covenant promise made in my blood. Whenever you drink it, remember me. And so we, in this place, at this time, join with Jesus' followers and friends in other places and other times, keeping alive the memory, proclaiming the hope that sustains us, and finding renewed strength for our own discipleship. So let us follow the example of Jesus and give thanks. Advent God, who travels with us through time, yet at the same time is mysteriously beyond time, we give you thanks for the bread and wine laid out for us today. We thank you for this make-believe banquet in which important truths are enacted and for the nourishment of hope and encouragement we find here. Accept our thanks and bless us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. (coughs) After his prayer... Jesus broke the bread and he shared it with those in that room and he asked them to keep alive the memory of that moment, to share the story, to live the hope. And so that's what we're going to do now, eating the bread as we receive it. the end of the meal Jesus took a cup of wine and he shared it with his friends knowing that one had already betrayed him another would deny him and the others would flee for fear but he loved them just the same and he loves us So we will retain our glasses and drink together, sign and symbol of our unity with all others in all times and places, drawn to the story of Jesus and seeking to follow him.
as we look around, we see all nations, all ages, all stages of life. This is the kingdom of God in miniature, which we celebrate as we drink together in thanksgiving and faith. When all seemed dark, Christ entered our experience. When all seemed lost, Christ shared our death. In indestructible hope, Christ draws us onward into inextinguishable light, the love of God. Praise be to you, Lord Jesus. Amen. I was supposed to bring you back greetings from Hugglescope Community Church where I was preaching last week and because it's me I forgot all about it. Uh, This song that we have just sung was written by a man who spent part of his life in America but actually was born only a few miles away from there which I didn't know till last Sunday Uh, and the mountains were actually the spoil heaps of the coal mines and the light was the pit flares so who knew that was the inspiration for this Amazing Advent hymn. 
So let's pray. Lead us, hopeful God, from where we are to where we need to be. Accompany us, hopeful Christ, our companion on the way. Inspire us, hopeful spirit, to live out the values we proclaim now and always. Amen.